Hello, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Chronicles podcast, where I interview a virtual chief information security officer about their work and their life. I'm your host, Caroline McCaffrey, one of the co-founders of ClearOps, which provides software to virtual CISOs that helps them grow and scale their businesses. As experts in this field, we have met hundreds of security consultants, and we keep our fingers on the pulse of cybersecurity and data privacy. My background is in law, specifically with data privacy and cybersecurity, and I love learning about how people build businesses. So I started this podcast to feature interesting people in cybersecurity to talk about their passion and their business. If you don't know what a virtual chief information security officer is, and these people are security experts who offer consulting services to companies. Sometimes they are also referred to as fractional CISOs. Today, our guest is Donna Gallagher. Thank you so much for joining me today, Donna, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Caroline. It's always a pleasure working with you. And with you. So please, uh, you know, to get us started, tell us about yourself and please include something that is not security related. Hmm. Well, not security related. I'm a hobby beekeeper also. So I've got a few colonies in my backyard and we have kind of some some, uh, warm days here in Georgia where I'm based out of that I can see them out and flying around already, which is unusual awesome. for this time of year. <laughs> so they're, they're already awesome. working. They're already working. Um, but, uh, you know, me, um, like I said, I, I started my business as a virtual CISO in 2018. Um, I had worked, well, my, my degree is actually in electrical engineering from Auburn, and I worked as an engineer for a few years and then decided I wanted to do something that was a little more people-oriented. So I... Um, got a position in sales or field sales, uh, selling semiconductors. So it was kind of like night and day from the job that I had been doing. And from that sales position, I got into um, service delivery and account management uh, in IT operations and data center management. And then from there, I pivoted into cybersecurity and data privacy. And like I said, started my business in 2018, you know, with my first client (laughs) and been trying to grow it uh, since then. And so tell us why you decided to open up your own um, firm and provide okay. cybersecurity. So did, was it the, did the client come first or did the idea to start your own consulting practice come first? Well, um, I the, the last three jobs that I had been in in the corporate world were shorter than I anticipated because of circumstances outside of my control. You know, either you know, there was a reduction in force or the company was bought out and restructured or so you know, I, I was working at an executive level, which generally it takes longer to find those types of roles. Uh, you know, anyway, and, you know, as you said, once you get there, it takes a little while to acclimate and, you know, learn the program. And I had these great plans for, uh, you know, for each of those positions and really wasn't able to put it through because of something outside of my control. So I was looking for another job again the next year. And uh, I figured, you know, I was over 40 at the time and felt like this was going to become more and more uh, of an issue. Um, and, and, the other, it was kind of decision of do I look for another CISO job or another senior executive role or, you know, do I do the next thing in my career, which is, you know, be, become a CEO and I'd like to serve on board position. Um, and I, I, I'd taken some board preparation type of, of, uh, of courses through uh, one of the organizations down here in Atlanta. And uh, the feedback I was getting was I really didn't have um, full 
visibility in, in a governance role. You know, as, as a CISO, mm -hmm. I was kind of working for a CIO or a CTO and really didn't have the board level you know, exposure that the rest of the candidates in the area did. So it really wasn't until I became a CEO that I was able to, you know, check that box to say, yes, you know, now I understand what it's like to have this much money in the bank and that's it and know what's coming in and, you know, having to plan, you know, having to scale, you know, and, uh, you know, you only have so many resources uh, to, to do all that with. So um, like I said, that was kind of the next chapter for me because like I said, I'd been in engineering, I'd been in sales, I'd been kind of marketing, I'd done some a lot of work with our legal team and compliance, um, but had never really been a, a, an executive with exposure you know, for enterprise risk and having to manage that. So that, that gave me a good new appreciation for uh, for. for for you know the importance of that, especially the CISO role, you know, to to have full visibility because uh, you know often hear heard my colleagues complaining that their programs weren't getting funded, uh, they didn't understand why why can't I get budget? Well, it's because your your board and your executive team have other risks, you know, that are showstoppers, you know, um, you know that you're out of business if it happens. And a lot of the CISO stuff I saw was compliance related, you know, nice to haves, but um, couldn't really quantify, you know, what the benefit was uh, of the expense. Um, the, so the other you know, thing that I, I started getting really good at was quantitative risk analysis and studying on a fair methodology and uh, you know, trying to quantify and prioritize risks so that businesses spend their money on, uh, you know, on the biggest risks first. And, uh, and, and you said, once you get that credibility of being able to say, here's exactly why I'm saying you should fund this project over that project, because, you know, here's, here's the exposure in, in uh, monetary loss type of terms, rather than just, well, PCI says we should do this, or we should have this, you know, as a, uh, as a requirement, but really there was, it was just a, a check mark and not uh, an actual um, exploitable type of vulnerability that was being, uh, you know, being addressed. So, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, so many questions uh, now popping into my head, but before <laughs> I lose it, I have to ask. Um, so your career, you were in sales. Do you think that having been in sales is helping you now and perhaps even an advantage to yes. you now in running your own business. I think this is one of the skills that terrifies a lot of very smart small business people or, or consultants of not having that sales background. I, I think, and I think probably if you're good at being a CISO, you probably have this skill, but you just don't realize it because you're very accustomed to having to convince people to take an extra step or be inconvenienced or, or, you know, change a behavior. Um, but when you have to go out and find a client, uh, maybe some of the scale, the sales skills of just, you know, closing or prospecting or time management, you know, just, uh, you know, you, you're not, you're not used to having to do that. So you can, you can, if you want to, you just maybe have to round out some of your sales skills in order to be you know, successful and networking too is the other 
a mm -hmm. huge thing of um, networking is so important, um, especially in security, because you can't be a subject matter expert on everything. And you have to find a team of people that you trust uh, to, you know, bounce your ideas off of or share best practices with. And um, you, the only way you're going to find those people is is by networking. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's a skill definitely that uh, I, I rely on heavily now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, I've talked to a few people for this podcast and and I, I ask a question that I will pose to you, too, but I'm going to do it a little bit differently because of what we just talked about, which is I say I ask, what's the hardest part about starting your own cybersecurity consulting business? And so far, almost every single time it's been sales. Mm. So, so since you have the sales background and you are experienced in that, what is, what for you has been the hardest part about starting your own business? I would say it's time management, um, <laughs> more even than sales. I said, it, um, just, you, you have to serve first you have, you it, it was fairly easy to find the first client, right? Because you just mm -hmm. focused 100% on sales. Then you get the first client and you have to serve them, but you have to get the second client and then you have to keep your knowledge up and then you have to kind of figure out how do I scale my business too? And then when you get the second client, it gets a little bit more complex and maybe you bring in a subcontractor to help and you, you know, you've got to kind of manage the quality of, uh, you know, of, of the work and, and make sure that, you know, it's your company. So the people that you bring in to help you, um, you know, you might not have worked with them previously and have to deal with, you know, issues and expectations, you know, of, you know, of just managing your own expectations of, of what these people can do, you know, if they're not fully employees, uh, you know, of your, of your own company. So yeah. I, I'd say that's been the hardest thing is just time management and um, maybe some discipline. Uh, it's like I said, if you're work for yourself, um, it's real easy to keep hitting the snooze button, you know, if you don't have a meeting until 10 a.m. <laughs> rather than to kind of get up and get started and, uh, you know, make sure you've got your list of things you need to do. So I think those are the things that I struggle with more. <clears throat> I, I have a feeling that you're not the type of person who's pressing the snooze button, considering how much I see that you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I um, guess I shift it later in the day. I guess I, I still like the snooze button and the bed just feels so good in the morning. And, and I don't exercise like I should, you know, as, as much, you know, but um, I, I do go later in the day. So. <laughs> but I, I do want to get back to you talking about, um, you know, the qualifying risk analysis, and I don't think I said that qualified risk analysis um, process, because I've heard you talk about this before, and I think your line of thinking on it is really impactful for cybersecurity, and specifically that you're looking for what is the biggest risk, and that's where you prioritize your spend. And yeah. clearly, what we see in this industry is that, you know, there's more and more um uh rulemaking from organizations like the SEC where they're saying you have to have this so you have to have cybersecurity expertise on your board so how do cybersecurity experts adopt the qualified risk analysis and present that to the board and obviously this is a this mm -hmm. could be a whole webinar session in and of itself but what is your what is what is how are you as a consultant advising businesses bringing that component into your 
into your services? So it all starts with, like I said, identifying the the crown jewels, you know, the the data or the you know the intellectual property or the the database or the blueprint or the source code or whatever it is that the company you know values and would be out of business if if there would be a compromise around that and uh, and then you know we talk about specific scenarios of how that data could be compromised is that server connected to the internet you know can it be accessed by uh, you know, multiple uh, insiders, you know, do you know who has access to it? Are you sharing it with third parties and how do they access it? So we talk about each of the ways that that data is accessible, who, you know, has access to it, and then what protections we have in place to uh, to secure that data. And then we do compliance later, um, you know, so each each company is a little bit different in, uh, in, in how we secure it. But like I said, we, we have very heavy discussions around scenarios and the controls that apply to the scenarios rather than just a, a checklist of controls. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, when we started ClearOps, we actually had a check the box um, logo and I did it because I liked the irony of mm-hmm. how much I hate checking boxes. Mm-hmm. I love checking boxes. I mm-hmm. love getting things off the list, but I hate the check the box attitude of, okay, it's done um, in cybersecurity and and that's security, security questionnaires and assessments are certainly that type of way. So how do you work with your clients um, specifically? What is, what is, what what services are you focused on providing to them? So I, for me, I try to stick to the advisory services and then I use whatever vendors the, the, the client is already using. And if they need um, a recommendation or they need some help, you know, that I, because of that, I'm a pretty good networker, I generally have a referral or two that I can make for them. Um, yeah, just looking to make sure their service providers are performing for them because I, I think that's another common thing I see is you know maybe they'll get a managed service provider and once they're signed up they're they're paying an invoice but they're really not getting a lot of benefit you know out of it mm-hmm. or there's just not a lot of activity on uh, on, on their systems um, you know so do you spend more you know on on it when there's not activity or can you use the money on something else so um, so we, we that, I think that's a, uh, one of the, the differentiators I have is I, I'm very much about questioning the way things have always been done and try to find a, a better way to do it. So um, I think that's coming in really clear is that you're, you optimize cybersecurity spending for your clients is what it sounds like to me. Yes. Yeah. I try to. <laughs> well, it sounds like you to. do. <laughs> um, okay. So, so shifting gears a little bit here. Um, from your stand, from your viewpoint, what industry trends are you seeing for 2023 or predicting for 2023? Well, AI has been the big discussion that, uh, I guess, since December, you know, with ChatGPT kind of going live, it's just that's the blow up that I hear and like, and quantum, com- quantum computing, um, you know, we, I don't think we hear as much about it, but a lot of the controls we have between those two things, uh, it's going to be a really rough time in cybersecurity to, to, to keep up 
because so much of the attacks can be just automated and perfected, you know, by a machine, you know, now. Mm. Um, and, and with quantum computing, brute force attacks can be, you know, just, you know, much faster in, in, mm-hmm. uh, in the computing power. Uh, so everything coming at you faster and more thoroughly. <laughs> so we'll have to, <laughs> we'll have to figure out you know, how we're going to address it. But those are, those are the things I mostly worry about now. Yeah. I mean, it totally makes sense. I actually read something yesterday on the AI thing about AI attacking AI. And then I also read something about how some of these, um, cybersecurity uh, hacking companies that are, are trying to uh, launch these ransomware programs are now going after other cybersecurity ra- uh, hacking companies that are. <laughs> well, the other thing is, I guess deep fakes is the other thing I worry about too, of now the technology has gotten so good that, you know, you can take samples of people's video or audio and put them out there and it just looks like there's, you know, yeah. You yeah. Now, when you call back, you know, and you, you say to the CEO, is this really what you meant to? Well, now, you know, you're not sure if the person you're talking to is the CEO or not, uh, you know, because a very sophisticated attacker can, you know, manipulate your, your you know, your manual controls you know, to go, wow. to go. And, and that's, that's terrifying if you can't believe absolutely anything that you hear or see. So what do you do? <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Well, so, so, um, you know, one of the things I like to do on this podcast is a little bit of a pay it forward. So is there any other virtual chief information security officer or security consultant who you think I should interview for this podcast? Yes, I would like you to interview um, Christine Hands. So she is not a virtual CISO, but she is very active in our ISACA and audit chapters. And she is working on some advanced degrees uh, through Kennesaw State University. Mm-hmm. And uh, she would like to talk about um, a recent um lawsuit against Chick-fil-A in data <laughs> privacy for the way that they've done video communication. So yes, I would ask that you set up a meeting with her and have her on your podcast. Well, thank you for that. That sounds fascinating. And thank you, Donna, for joining us today. Can you please let our listeners know how they can find you? So I guess the best way to reach me is on LinkedIn. Uh, so it's just Donna Gallagher. And um, you do send a a note to me when you send your invite and say that you heard me on Caroline's podcast. I'm happy to connect with you. And then my website is newoceansenterprises.com. Great. Well, thanks again for joining us today. And um, if you're listening, you you can find all of our blogs and our podcast on Substack at the Security Expert Marketplace. So thanks again, Donna. Really appreciate having you. Sure, Caroline. Great to see you again. Great to see you.